We're going to study that again in Philippians 3. And we're still studying about the things that Paul felt like he needed to talk about to the uh, Philippian people about. And, and that, you know, he had confidence they believed in what he said. And, and he now has kind of got the mind of Christ because... If you stop and think about it for a minute, the father did not let the son give the information concerning mystery truth while he was here on the earth and while he was teaching and preaching for those three years. He wasn't given that, and he didn't do it. But it was given to Paul, you know, sometimes later on, maybe 30 years on down the road. Then Paul did get that. And so then along with that, I, I get the understanding by what I'm reading here that uh, even in Ephesians that Paul began to get the mind of Christ. He began to get that that was forming in his mind, which if Christ was able to do it, but according to the Father's will, he couldn't do it at the time. So Paul is getting this information just like it was if it was God's son in terms of doing that. Because when Christ was here, it wasn't time on God's schedule for that to be given out. And what we're reading about here today and for the past several weeks and even months is uh, something that uh, had not been offered to anyone until Paul wrote these last seven epistles concerning the mystery. Okay, so here we are. And Paul's going down through the list of what he got from his earthly uh, understanding of the word. And he's looking at it in a different light now because of what he understands in his mind. Because in Paul's mind and heart is in tune with the Holy Spirit of God. And therefore, uh, he is getting these things to tell people that he did not know previously. And, uh, and, you know, and, and, and this is kind of snowballing. And so we're looking at seven or eight things here in the third chapter of Philippians. That Paul is going to count, but done. And so we're we're going to do study seventy six, and today's study is the twentieth day of January, twenty twenty one. And uh, we got down through verse five. Whenever we finished our study last time, so we're going to pick up six, and we're going to go as far as we can. 
But I don't have notes, but just down to maybe verse 10 or 11, but I doubt if we'll get that far. And I had to tell Elaine down in Georgia, you know, she said, well, it seems like we're, you know, you guys are kind of moving slow in this. And I said, well, this is, this is the dump truck load that we've got. The <laughs> brother Larry used to talk about it. And, and, uh, he, he would bring thimbles occasionally to, he had, he had went and got three or four or five thimbles and he'd get them out of his pocket and he says, okay, this, this is what you're going to get while you're here tonight is a thimble full of a dump truck load. And that's about all you can understand. So I've been doing this wisdom study now for a year and a half. Well, if we're going to have a get-together, and we're going to sit and talk about what our hope is, according to the body of Christ, what can we say in one or two days, in one and a half hour, three quarters of an hour, or an hour, or even two hours, or even if we took all day? We just scratching the surface. And, and we're doing it every week, but we're going on with it and trying to build this groundwork that we can go back and look at and say, well, yeah, we studied this and, and, and this is what I got out of it. And so I'm going to give you another thimble full tonight if I can. And here we go. And we're going to start with verse six of Philippians three and it's the example of Paul. And Paul says this. And I'm going to read five because we did five last week. And there's about six things here. Circumcise the eighth day. One. Of the blood or the stock of Israel. Two. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Three. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. Four. As touching the law. A Pharisee, five. And so we're going to start with six. This is concerning zeal. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean like having too much fun? (laughs) Is the song goes? No. But I'll tell you what concerning zeal is. But I'll read the verse. Then we'll go back and read the notes. Concerning Zeal persecuting the church, that's six, and touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. That is seven. That is a benchmark number that we find in God's work and in God's completed work. And so Paul here is telling us that he is complete in Christ. He just hasn't died yet. Well, yes, he has. He was stoned for sure, but he's back like nothing ever happened. What do you do with somebody that you think you killed? Respect them. <laughs> or you know you killed. 
I would respect and the next morning he shows up. I think I'd grab my little sack and go up the road a different way. Shows up preaching again, yeah. Yes, sir. I couldn't, I, I don't think I could take that. But concerning or touching zeal, verse 6, we're in. going to read my notes. In zeal there is 2205 in the strong. And the example is this. It is jealous, as God is sometimes jealous. Because he said, there'll be no other gods before me. He is the top God. He is jealous of his position. And think about this. Or as a husband with his wife. You go to messing with a man's husband. I mean. (laughs) Or wife. Or his wife. (laughs) If you go dealing with a man's wife, you're going to get in trouble. Just like if you get involved in another God, God doesn't like that. Well, a husband would not like someone else uh, with, with another man messing with his wife. So this is the example that we have. Paul's zeal, he, it was, it was all or nothing, pretty much. And that's the way Paul worked, really. And, 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 uh, and he also says persecuting the church. Uh, he did when he didn't know better. But now he knows better. His mind and his heart are in accord with the Holy Spirit that dwells within him. That's what it takes, folks, to tell the truth. That's what it takes to be right before God because God says, you know, circumcision is one thing. A man's circumcision that was put forth to Abraham to do his children that way, to circumcise them, to give them understanding that you belong to God. Well, your heart needs some cutting too. And so your heart needs to be in tune with your mind and the Holy Spirit in order to be assured of a place, I think, in the body of Christ. You might disagree with that. You need to think about it. We're here on a test course. And our test course is our life. And if God can't trust you in your life, how could his son trust you as being part of him? Now, I told Elaine down in Georgia on the telephone because I... We really get involved in some of these things. And I said, Elaine, being in the body of Christ is like following someone that's putting on a great play or uh, a great 
show or a concert somewhere. And she said, well, said, you know, it talks about Christ being back on the earth again in Thessalonians. I said, yeah. But when he comes back, he's not going to be, he's not going to stand up there and do the whole show by himself because the rest of the band has to come and we're the rest of the band. Mm-hmm. Now, you, this is a metaphor. But, you know, if, if, if you went to a concert to see Elvis and you paid the big money, when Elvis was living to go in and see Elvis and he was standing up there and he didn't have no support around him, after a while you'd probably get up and ask for your money back. And I said, can it be in the body of Christ this way? He's not going to show up without his completeness. He's going to be complete. Yeah, well, That's what pleroma is in Scripture. Had a conversation with a fellow that called. What day was that? Somebody would somebody come in. The fellow from uh, I can't remember his name, but he called and we had a. So much is from Michigan. He was from Michigan. We had a conversation about that very thing. Yeah, but that that's kind of the way it is. When Christ comes back. What he comes back with is what he is going to have to rule on this earth as being king of king and lord of lords on the earth. And he's going to deal with people that doesn't know anything about religion or anything about him or any other thing. Because he's going to call the world. The world's going to be in Jerusalem with the world center at that time. Is, yeah, it's going to be there. And, and he's going to raise these people up that never had a chance to know him. He's got all this stuff. And he's going to have help and his body is going to help take care of that. And the angels that did not fall with Satan. So he's coming with the his angels, and he's coming with his saints. And we're the rest. We're the rest of the show, whether we understand it or not. And I'm not going to jump out on a limb and tell you what I think our job is going to be. I have no idea, really. But whatever it is that Christ has situated us far to be a spiritual being, we're going to know and we're going to understand it when the time comes for it to be used. He never sends anybody to do a job that he doesn't give them the tools to do it with. And I'm just rattling on here because it's stuff that we need to understand. Concerning Zeal, jealous of the God, persecuting the church, and concerning the righteousness which is in the law, he says, blameless or not guilty as before men. Paul says, as concerning the law, I'm not guilty before men. 
although he's chained to a Roman guard that is of the court of Nero because he is applied for a pardon there or to be turned loose if the Lord will. And he, he was turned loose for a while. And so that's, uh, that's where he is. And th- this is this, the one verse that kind of completes this little section here as to what Paul got as being who he was and where he come from and what he believes. Okay. Now let's look at, let's look at what Jack wrote in verse six. And, and it says, from down from the Koine Greek, according to zeal, persecuting the assembly, according to righteousness, which is in law, having become blameless, into, down to today's English, it says, according to zeal, persecuting the assembly according to the righteousness which is in law having become blameless. And Jack goes on to say this, his zeal was great among the Jews. He persecuted those of the sect of Christians out of misdirected zeal. Oh, he was going around, he had these John no warrants and he was locking people up and he was hauling off men and women to jail. And God struck him down on the Damascus Road blind. Yeah, there's no shortage of zeal with that man. Yeah, he was, he was, His, he was loaded. Get with, her done kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. You either done it or, you, or you'd have to serve the consequences. Later, he says, Jack says, as a believer in Christ, he endeavored to make his life a pattern of all who would follow his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He had followed the Jewish law with great ardor. But then, as a believer, he cast that aside and looked at it as a stumbling block. There's two places here that we need to look at in verse 6. We're going to go back to Acts, and we're going to look in Acts 24. So, uh, it's on, if you have a companion Bible, it's on page 1646. if you don't, I don't know what page it would be on. But Acts 24, let's look at 20. <clears throat> well, let's, let's just jump up to 17 because it says, Now after many years I came to bring alms to my nation and offering, Whereupon certain Jews from Asia family purified in the temple, neither with multitude nor with tumult. 
who ought to have been here before thee and object if they had aught against me. 20, verse 20, or else let these same here say, if they have found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council. Except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them as touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called into question by you this day. So Paul says, I am here because I have been called into what I believe about the resurrection of the dead this day. What say ye about that? That was that was his answer in one place for that. I want you to go with me to First Timothy. And let's look at First Timothy. And we're going to read First Timothy chapter one verses twelve through sixteen. And Paul says that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injures, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Verse 14, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. So Paul says, I became a pattern or an, an example. Because concerning zeal and persecuting the church, and he says, in dealing with righteousness which is in the law, I'm not guilty. Verse 6. Well, let's go to verse 7. Let me go back to it. Let me find my place in Philippians again. Verse 7 says this, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. But what things? The things that we just talked about in verse 5 and verse 6, the seven things that he mentioned there. He said they were gained to be in the in the in the Greek word there is kurdros. 
or kurdos. And those I counted lost. And lost there is the word zima. Z-E-M-I-A, zima, for Christ. And there's two places here we need to look at. But let's look at what Jack says in verse 7 first. Coming down out of the Koine Greek, it said, But rather, what things were to me gained, these I have esteemed through Christ lost. Or lost, not lost, but lost. But rather, what things were gained to me, these I have esteemed lost through Christ. So this is this is Paul carrying his deal just a little bit further. What those things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Let's look at Colossians. Let's go a few pages over. Philippians. And we get into Colossians, and we're going to look at Colossians 2. Colossians 2, 23. And it's page over. Let me turn my page. Colossians 2, 23. It's the last, it's the last verse in chapter 2. He says, which things, he's going on here, and we haven't got here with this yet that we went through, so I'll just drop back up just a little bit. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of this world, or the world, why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances like touch not, taste not, handle not? which are all to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men. This is what men's going to tell you. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh, it said it may look honorable, but it doesn't satisfy you. You are not satisfied in the flesh with the touching and tasting and the, all these things of what you normally do to make keep yourself alive. It's the things that God can do for you to keep you alive or to bring you back mm-hmm. to life again. So this is this is where we are there. Colossians two twenty three, and then we're going to run back to Mark eight. We don't get into Mark very much uh, because there's not a lot that I can understand that Mark said that was very different from some of the other gospels. But Mark eight thirty six. Mark 8.36 says this, and we're going to read 35 and 36. 
For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for what he has now? That's that's a hard thought. Yeah. But he but he understands these people are gonna understand this when they read it whenever it's taken to them in Philippians. Okay, let's go back to let's go back to Philippians and look at verse eight. How's our time going, Ronnie? Nine oh eight. Well, I didn't figure I'd get too awful far, but We've covered a lot of ground here. <clears throat> but verse 8 is a kind of a long verse. And we'll read it. He said, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Full stop. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb. Poop. That I might win Christ. He says, all these things that I've just read to you, all these things that we've talked about concerning what I got, for my life on here on the earth, if you don't have Christ, it's just a big bag of stuff. Yea, Dallas. Dallas is 33.04 in the Strongs. And it means, so then at the least, or rather, sometimes it'll be rather. Or, but so then at the least, he said, yea, Dallas, or so then at the least, I count but lost, and that word again is Zima, and that is of no good report, because it means kind of like blowing in the wind, for the excellency or the excelling of the knowledge. You see, we can excel in the knowledge of God with our wisdom and our understanding if they're tied together, our heart and our mind in connection with the Holy Spirit. Gee, seems like that comes up a lot. According for the excellency or the excelling of the knowledge, and that knowledge there is gnosis, and that's acquired by learning, effort or experience, to perceive or to accurately recognize, 
And that's what your mind and your heart can tell you with the Holy Spirit guiding you. Of Christ Jesus, my Lord, full stop. There's the full stop we talked about. For whom Christ, he says, I have suffered zimu a lot for the loss of all things of this world and life. And do count them but dumb that I may win or gain Christ and to gain or the gain of Christ outweighs all of the things of this earth. There is nothing compared to the gaining of Christ. Everything else won't get you life again. That can only come through the Son of God. That can only come through His finished work and what He did for us that God put Him through. So in eight, there's about three things that we need to look at too. But let's see what Jack said in eight. And Jack says in eight, but doubtless, I mean, but rather yet doubtless, also I am esteeming all things lost. To be through the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, the Lord of me, through whom be all things I suffer loss of and esteem refuge that Christ I may gain. Let's bring that down to today's English. But rather, yes, Dallas, I am also esteeming all things to be but lost through the excellency of the knowledge of my Lord Jesus Christ, through whom I suffered loss of the all things, and esteemed them refuge or done, that I may gain Christ. Jack says that after some thought, Paul decides that he is counting all things to be ready to be trashed if they get in the way of his learning the truth of God's word or his son. He knows that through his word, he will actually gain Christ. Nothing must stand in the way of this. The comparison of the knowledge of Christ and the knowledge of other earthly matters is putting the other things in the throwaway trash done category. What a challenge to a believer's evaluation of Christ and his word. Wow.
That's a lot to say. Let's look at these three verses here. Let's go back to Matthew 16. For some reason or another, we're going back to Matthew a good bit lately. But in Matthew 16, and I've got three or four places marked in Matthew, so I'll have to look for just a second to get it. Matthew 16:26 says this. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul or what a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Okay? Let's look at Luke. Luke 9. In Luke 9, and it's on page 1960, 1960. In Luke 9, let me get, you can tell I don't get in Luke much because my pages are kind of sticky. And it says this. We're going to look at 9.25. And it says this. For what is a man advantaged if he gains the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. So that was what Dr. Luke wrote. And then let's look at First Corinthians. Well, we're getting back to First Corinthians. We're going to look at First Corinthians 4. <clears throat> okay. In First Corinthians 4, and we're going to read, uh, let's read 9 through 13. For I think that God has set us, set forth us, the apostles last, as it were, appointed to death, for we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to the angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but we are wise in Christ. We are weak, but we are strong. We are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both 
hunger and thirst, and are naked and are buffeted, and have no certain dwelling place, and labor working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of this world, of the world, and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved son, it's a warning. He said, I'm warning you. I'm warning you. More correction for the Corinthians. Yeah. And that's what Corinthians was for, was for that correction. And so he, he sends them a warning there. And I guess we're about finished for today. We got 920. Well, there's a lot of stuff we need to talk about in 9 and 10. Okay. <laughs> So we'll, I don't think you can handle it in ten minutes. No, it, it's there's about ten different uh, scriptures here we need to look at. We can read it. I'll go ahead and read nine because nine is the last verse on this page, but it's not the last verse in this chapter. <coughs> and if you want to think on this. Until next week, or if you want to think on this and go ahead and study it out. It said, and be found in him, not having, that I might, he says, I count all things but done that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, full stop. And so the things generally after a full stop are the things that really needed to be heeded. And I know man has put uh, the punctuations in Scripture, but it seems like they turn out that way to where if you get the full stop, uh, then there are other scriptures that brings that verse of scripture to a picture in your mind if you look at all that scripture that goes with it. And this is the way that Jack's worked out his book, to do it that way. And that's, that's the reason we go and look at a lot of these other scriptures, because normally in just a short study, you might not ever go back and look at it. And there's just so much there that's already been said that we need to know and to put it with this to give us a picture that we're getting here in this third chapter of Philippians. You know, it's it's really important that we go back over these things, you know, to where he, he gives us the understanding that, well, if you... If you trade what the world gives you for Christ, you've really done good. But if you don't, miss the deal. Then, then you lose. You, you, you lose out. It's, 
It's just something that, just something that doesn't work. So, uh, this is how, this is how these seven books are really laid out. And I think Jack did a great, and Melda both did a great work on going through these things. And I'm sure they were more scripture that they could have put in there. But how much, you know, when you're doing a study like this, then how much of this scripture, when you get it in your mind, then how much of this scripture are you saying that these people are going to put in their thimble this day? (laughs) Now, going back, going back and adding Larry to Jack's uh, situation here. But, you know, with all these people that I sat down at the table with or sat in a conference with and studied with, you learn something from all of them. You really learn a lot from all of them. But if you really put it all together, then it gives you the greater picture. You know, it's it's kind of like just going to a picture show and seeing a movie, but going to one and seeing an epic movie, mm. one that they really got involved in, that you could sit there and get involved in. And this is... I think this is what Jack and Mel had to do when they were going through these things. Well, oh, we've got a big list of, we've got a big list of verses here that these people need to read. Will they read it or are they just going to go off sober? Well, here we are. We're reading. Yeah, amen. So if we ain't got time to do it, then we're a miserable bunch <laughs> because we need to take the time to do it because Amen. these words <laughs> these words were put there to give us understanding and guarantee that all these men that put this Bible together you know seem to agree on the fact that the will of God is being put down and there just isn't any other book like it. That's the reason we study it. And I look at, I look at people trying to explain on television. Well, what's truth? Truth is God's word. Mm-hmm. And that's and about you, it. <laughs> and if you get away from God's truth, uh, if you don't get your, if you don't get your wisdom, your mind that God give you to understand and to get this knowledge and get how this knowledge works for you, if you don't get it, in a heartfelt situation, because what comes out of your mouth may not be the truth. If you let something of the world trickle into that, then it becomes false. It becomes not. not
and and we've had a lot of that over the past several years, and we're still getting it, and we will get it because God says in the latter days perilous times will come, so we don't know what we don't know what Amen. is around the corner, but I hope and pray. That it keeps me safe and sound and in God's love. God bless you. Thank you for being with me. And I hope I didn't bore you. But God's word is not boring. If boring comes to you, I did it. It wasn't God. Did it. <laughs> thank you for your great love and thank you for your understanding. And Lord, we thank you for prayer. Amen. Can't say that enough. We thank you, Lord, for prayer and for answering prayer. And sometimes not even answering prayer. No. Because we pray for things sometimes we ought not. Oh, Tony, glad to see Cole coming around, too. Cole, uh, Tony's nephew, he's doing, set up on the bed the other day, doing really well. Good. Come out yeah. of the, the coma. Yeah. And he's pretty much... Uh, Bouncing back a little bit. So. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I tell you what, sometimes, sometimes when I hear these things, whether I cry out loud or cry in my heart, I thank God for them. Amen. Truly. That's all I could do. Just say, thank you, Lord. I can't do it. No. But you can. God bless, folks.